Relationships are the, the foundation of, of life. Relationships are a source of uh, blessing and joy. Relationships uh, bring many good things to us. But relationships can also be demanding. Relationships, if, if, they, if they're going to be good at all, demand our time and, and our energy. Sometimes, sometimes relationships are as frustrating as they are rewarding. Sometimes relationships are as painful as they are healing. But that just goes to show how central relationships are to us. Relations, I, I think often our lives rise and fall on our relationships. But despite the, the ups and the downs of, of our relationships, they are at the center of our existence on this earth. And as important as we think relations are, relationships are to us, I think God is even more concerned about them than we are. The first four of the Ten Commandments are, are pretty much vertical statements. It's about a relationship between us and God. How we treat God. How we honor God. How we think about God. The call to, to trust God. But when we come to the fifth commandment, it shifts from being virtually all vertical to now primarily horizontal. And it reminds us that God is deeply concerned about our relationships. That how we, how we live in relationship to God is significant for how we live in relationship with one another. And so when we come to this fifth commandment. God speaks to us about our human relationships and, and his word to us, this first one, takes us to the very heart of all of our relationships. The relationship between a parent and a child. Now it intrigues me that, that God begins with that relationship and particularly about the relationship of a child to a parent. You know, you think about it. If, if, the, if this commandment, if the first one, were addressed to parents, then many people would be excluded. If this commandment were addressed to spouses, a lot of people would be excluded. If it were addressed to siblings, people would be excluded. But when he speaks to children, that's all of us. Everyone is a child of someone. And God has a word, therefore, for all of us. 
And I have to tell you, when I was young, this wasn't really my favorite of the commandments. You know, yeah, honor your father and mother, honor your father and mother, got it, okay, great. You get older and the, and the roles get reversed, and now it's one of my favorites. I try to drop subtle hints every time I can, you know, signs all over the house, honor your father and your mother. Sometimes I leave off the mother part, I just honor your father, no, I don't do that. How we view this commandment is going to shift as time goes along. There are a lot, you know, we tend to think of this commandment primarily addressed to children. And it is addressed to children, young children. But I'm convinced that this commandment, like all the other nine, is addressed to adults. It's addressed to you and to me about how we treat our parents no matter what age, what stage of life we may be in or they may be in. Now, some of you may say, well, you know, my parents are deceased or I'm estranged from my parents or... You know, I don't really even know who my parents were. I still think this is a word for us. I wonder, perhaps, if it might be even more important for those of us who think it doesn't really apply to us to think of how it does apply to us. Now, the command is really pretty simple. Honor your father and your mother. And that's it. In the ancient times, people tended to live together in the, in the community and clans and, and family units. And most children grew up in a setting where, where they were very close to not only their parents and their siblings, but their grandparents and their aunts and their uncles and their cousins tended to be a very tight-knit family unit, very connected to one another. Our culture is much different. We are a much more mobile culture, and we tend to be more disconnected from our family members. Many of us here today do not live near our parents or our children or our siblings or our aunts or our uncles. And sometimes in that distance, it becomes hard to figure out what it means to honor our mother and father. It seems as though when you're right next to them, uh, it's all right in front of you. But when there's that distance, you wonder, what does that mean? How do we do that? How does, what does that look like? And I think that that it's important for us to, to understand that if God felt like the Israelites needed to know that commandment in their setting, how much more in ours? So what does it look like? Well, the word honor means to, to be weighty, to be heavy. And you can see where that, might, where that would transfer from being something literal to something figurative. We talk about people who are important and influential and powerful as carrying a lot of weight. 
And we mean by that that when they speak, people listen. Whatever they do, people pay attention to them. We consider them important. I think one of the dynamics of honoring a mother and father is thinking of them as important. Seeing them as important people in our lives. Think about the, someone that, that you would love to meet. Someone that, that you think it would be such a great thing to be able to meet this person. Someone famous that you probably think, I, I'd never meet them. I'd never be able to, I'd never have a conversation with them. It'd be impossible. Picture that person in your mind. It might be someone in the entertainment industry, someone in sports, someone in the wider church. Someone that you think, that would be so cool to meet them. You go home today and this afternoon is a knock on your door and you open it and there they are. Now, would any of you say to them, hey, you know what, I, I really appreciate you stopping by, but I had some plans. I got some things I kind of wanted to do today. Um, there's the TV and the DVD player. I've got a few things there. I'll be back in a couple of hours, and maybe we can talk then. I don't think any of us would do that. We would drag them into the house, set them down, serve coffee, tea, cookies, whatever we could find, and spend as much time with them as we could because they're important to us. In a far greater way, we ought to see our parents that way. They're important to us. And if they're important to us, then that means they get our time and our energy. We're willing to, to sacrifice for them, to give of ourselves for them. We honor them. I think in another form of, of showing how important they are is to listening to them. You know, we, we don't like to listen to our parents. You know, when you're small, and as you get a little older, in adolescence, you start thinking, my parents don't know anything, so I'm not listening to them. And then you go through a stage where listening's a little bit easier to do, and then I think, but even as adults, we still are continually thinking, yeah, that's great, but you don't understand my life. You don't understand what the world is like. You don't understand what, what things are like in, in my job or in, my, in our home or whatever we're doing. It's just not the same. When we talk on the phone, do you give them, do you give them your attention? Or are you doing other things? Listening to them. I think honoring them means admitting and acknowledging that they have something to teach us, something to say to us that's important. When we all get into the, the sense that, you know, we know better than anyone else, that other people's experiences are great, but that really, you know, I, I got to find my own way. And sometimes we resent the intrusion of our parents into our lives. At some point in time, we'll come to realize that they were simply trying to help us. 
simply trying to prevent pains in our lives, maybe to prevent some pains that they experience that they don't want us to have to go through. All of that is a way of honoring them. I think we honor our parents by, by how we represent them. You know, everywhere we go, everything we do, we carry our parents' name with us. If our parents knew what we were doing and how we were representing them, would they be proud or embarrassed? And we don't do things just to impress them. We do things to honor them, to respect them. And that's true whether your parents are living or deceased. We carry on that name, reputation. And eventually, honoring our parents involves, in one form or another, supporting them. There are a number of of discussions that scholars have about exactly what God is saying in this commandment. But one thread of it is that God is saying, when your parents get old, you're there for them. Whatever it is they may need. And again, in that culture, much easier thing to do than in our culture when we're so spread out and so disconnected. I can't give you a list of rules to say, here's how you support your parents. Here's exactly what you have to do. But I can tell you that God is looking for a spirit of willingness in us. Willingness to think more about them than ourselves. Willingness to sacrifice our time and our energy and our resources. Willing to be there for them in the difficult times of life. You know, it's sort of payback, to be honest. You know, I mean, most most of us don't remember when we were infants. But, you know, most of us inconvenienced our parents a little bit. Screaming in the middle of the night. If we could talk, yelling, I'm hungry. I need my diaper changed. I'm just wide awake here, and I want other people around me. You know, babies inconvenience parents. Toddlers inconvenience parents. Children inconvenience parents. And in loving homes, parents say, that's the way it is, and we're glad to do it. And now when the tables get turned, what's our spirit? Lord, I don't know exactly how you want me to do this, but I'm willing to sacrifice for my parents. I'm willing to do what you call me to do for my parents, whatever that may be. It's that spirit of willingness that God is looking for. I think that this is where we begin to understand this commandment as even bigger than just the family unit. He's speaking this commandment to the community of Israel, which I guess you could say is now the community of the church. 
In that culture, when families needed help, the community joined in to help them. How much more to help one another? There are people in need who don't have family nearby. People in need who don't have family at all. And when we know about those people, are we willing to step in and to be God's presence with them? To honor them like we would our parents? Some of you, your parents are no longer living. But you have the opportunity to honor other people's parents, other people's children, as God provides opportunity to do so. It's the spirit of willingness that God is looking for, a spirit of sacrifice, a spirit of love. I think that's why this is the commandment that has this promise of long life and prosperity attached to it. Paul says the first commandment with the promise. Because how we treat our parents and how we treat people in the community in need says an awful lot about our relationship with God. The Apostle John says, you cannot say, I love God and hate other people. You cannot say, I love God and ignore people in need. And in fact, if you hate other people, if you ignore people in need, you need to take a serious look at your relationship with God. It is a means of bringing together the people of God to love one another and to honor one another and to care for one another and to support one another and to respect one another. To be God's people to one another. But let me say just one other word about parents. You know, he doesn't say this in the commandment, but Paul says it in Ephesians. After, after Paul talks to children, he says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. I think if you roll that up in a nutshell, he's saying, Fathers, mothers, make it easy for your children to obey this commandment. Make it easy for children to honor you by the way you treat them, by your love for them and the home that you create for them. Make it easy for them to honor you. And there are all kinds of ways that we exasperate our children and all kinds of ways that, that, we, that we nurture and, and, and take care of our children and create an atmosphere where, where they will be much more apt to obey this commandment. I think it simply boils down to, to loving them, caring for them in such a way that we're continually pointing them toward Christ. We create an atmosphere where they feel loved and almost naturally want to love back. 
That doesn't mean that our children become the center of the universe. Only God is the center of the universe. And children don't make very good gods. You know, one of the things I, I, I find is that, you know, when it comes to, to, to creating a loving atmosphere, often we think that means just let children do whatever they want to do. But that's not at all what he's saying. In fact, I would argue for the exact opposite. I was reading recently an article in the Buffalo News about, about parents and children and how there's so many tr- troubled children. And, and one of the comments that was made in this article was that children lack adequate and appropriate limitations. Children are always pressing the boundaries. And studies have seemed to show that, that what would, it might appear to children as as something positive, that they can do whatever they want. The truth is, they see that as a lack of love. They view that as parents being apathetic toward them and just simply saying, get out of my hair, go do whatever you want. It's the loving parent that that sets adequate boundaries. Not bondage, but adequate boundaries that sends the message, I love you too much not to help you know what's right and what's wrong. Not to help you navigate your way through the difficult years of life. Love our children and create an atmosphere where they will want to to love back. And again, the church has a great role in this. And we dedicate our children to God and, and we talk about God's commitment to this child and the parents make their statements of commitment to this child and we the church stand and say we'll be committed to this child we will do everything in our power to help this child know God children make their own decisions and sometimes they make decisions that that bring deep pain to us we're asking God to help us train them and lead them toward him rather than away from him. Now you might be thinking, well, you know, it's great when you talk about parents that, that love their children and, and it's, it's easy to, to honor parents who are honorable, but you don't know my parents. I grew up in a home of, of abuse or I grew up in a home where I was neglected. I grew up in a situation that I don't even like to think about. And those are hard things. Very, very difficult things. And I believe God's word to us is honor your father and your mother. The first step of that for some of us might be, Lord, give me a willingness to honor my father and my mother. But Lord, I don't want to live with this bitterness in my heart. I don't want to live with an unforgiving spirit. I want to be set free. I want to be a person who respects my parents, despite how they may have treated me, because I don't want to be enslaved I don't want to be in bondage to that bitterness 
and that anger. I want to be free. And our prayer is simply, God, help me to start. Help me to start. You know, this is one of those commands that's honestly a little bit difficult to pin down. Because every one of us is thinking in one way or another, well, yeah, I, I know I'm supposed to do that, but we, we all have exceptions. You know, someone has said that people look at the Ten Commandments in different ways. Some people look at them and see divine guidance. Some people look at them and see rules for living. Other people come to the Ten Commandments and look for loopholes. You know, we're, we're looking for loopholes, but the truth is there are none. God calls us to honor a father and a mother. And that may look different for every one of us, but the spirit that God desires is the same. A spirit of respect. A spirit of, of grace and patience, and forgiveness, a spirit of honor. You know, the people of God are, are people of, of memory. You know, we are continually called to remember. The beginning of the Ten Commandments, God says to Israel, before I give you these, I want you to remember where you were and where I brought you. For them, that journey begins in Egypt and comes to the Red Sea and eventually into Canaan. And for us, uh, as Christians, our memory is, is rooted in the cross and the empty tomb and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But it's still about memory. And when it comes to honoring our mother and father, we need to remember what God has done for us so that we can do that for other people. And it begins with our parents. And there is no more significant reminder that God has given us about what he's done and what he calls us to do and to be than this table. This table that calls us to remember God's sacrifice and calls us to live lives of self-sacrifice. This table that reminds us that Jesus put others before himself. And this table that calls us to put others, beginning with our closest relationships, before ourselves. This morning, as we prepare to come to this table, I want to invite us to, to spend a few moments in silent meditation, asking God to, to search our hearts and to see if there is something in us about our parents or about another person that needs to be taken care of. And to ask God to make us people who honor our father and our mother. To honor the people in this church and in this community. To live 
in self-sacrifice instead of self-centeredness. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we give thanks that uh, you are creator, sovereign of the universe. We thank you that you love the world so much that you gave your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior. We thank you that he rose from the grave to give us new life and that you sent your Holy Spirit to be with us to transform our lives. Father, as we remember all of your mighty acts, we ask you to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving that we offer in union with Christ's sacrifice for us. We come as living and holy sacrifices, giving ourselves to you and to one another. We pray that you'll send the power of your Holy Spirit upon these gifts and upon us, that in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ, and we will faithfully serve him in this world and look forward to his coming in final victory. In him and through him, we pray. Amen.